Hi, everybody. I'm Jocelyn Kirby, and I'm going to be giving a talk on dermoscopy. Now, I chose the title of this talk to be a little bit funny, but to really reflect the sincere fear and confusion that I had when I first started using dermoscopy. And it might feel like you've heard me talk about dermoscopy a couple times before, and in fact, you may have, because I've done this a couple of times at the SDPA, but that's also because I feel like I finally started to get comfortable with dermoscopy after revisiting images and sort of my train of thought, you know, sort of the holding myself to really looking for certain structures and that it had really helped me get more comfortable. So we're gonna walk through some of the foundational findings on dermoscopy and my favorite, the two-step algorithm uh, for how to really feel comfortable trying to discern what you're looking at. And I have no relevant conflicts for this particular topic. We're gonna talk about the two-step algorithm. Number one, normal. It's, you know, we're looking at a, a new scale um, with more magnification and different colors uh, when we're looking through a dermatoscope. So, redefining normal is going to be useful so that way we can figure out what abnormal is uh, and especially when it comes to finding melanomas the the thing that dermoscopy is really focused on in the two-step algorithm is finding malignant melanomas the goal of dermoscopy is not to have an accurate diagnosis of exactly what it is you're going to biopsy it's to help you decide that you even want to biopsy something so defining some of the normal colors or concerning colors that you might see in the skin. I wish somebody had showed this to me when I was first starting to use dermoscopy, but it helps me to understand why I'm seeing blue on the skin, why something looks very yellow. So we're gonna walk through from the left side here. So black, when something is black in the skin, it's usually because of some kind of pigment, usually, could, well, could be exogenous. I've definitely wiped off my fair share of what somebody thought was a melanoma, but it was ink or something foreign. Um, but when melanocytes, again, we're focused on melanoma here, when melanocytes are starting to spread from where they normally live at the dermoepidermal junction, an impagitoid spread, that concerning movement when melanocytes move upwards in the skin, you're be seeing them become more dark, more black, because they're right at the outside of the skin. Now to jump over to the yellow color at the far side of this slide, when we see something yellow, it's because of a buildup of normal keratinocytes. There's just a lot more of them. That's why calluses look sort of yellow. And I jumped to yellow after black because when you see normal melanocytes, they're usually down at the dermoepidermal junction. They have that same capacity to be black, but because they're deeper in the skin and covered by the yellow of the keratinocytes in the stratum corneum, black and yellow make brown when you see them. So brown is, again, a more reassuring sign in the right patterns that you're seeing melanocytes down at the dermoepidermal junction. Now when melanin, usually contained within a melanocyte, gets disrupted and maybe moves deeper, especially if it's due to post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, it may appear gray. So this is when melanin is down in the papillary dermis, it has a more gray color. 
When it moves even deeper, the light has trouble getting back out through the skin and conveying that black or brown color. It actually appears as blue. So changes in color and refraction, especially for deep melanocytes, result in this more concerning color, especially if, if it's only in part of a lesion. Red, this is usually due to blood or blood vessels. Those blood vessels might be dilated. They might be very large, like in a cherry angioma, or they might just be dilated due to inflammation. We talked about yellow as being the color of the keratinocytes, and then white is a color more for collagen. And so sometimes when you see uh, that gray-white veil, it's because of changes happening down deeper in the skin, and that is you know, we're now picking up on features of invasive melanoma because of that depth and movement of cells and changes in the skin with collagen. So dermoscopy is a step between us, our naked eye, and histology. The features that we're seeing on dermoscopy are really explained by things that we'd only otherwise see under a microscope or the histology of things. So this is a really nice example of the dermatoscopic picture of a seborrheic keratosis. And you could almost argue the clinical findings we would see just with our naked eye, we would see these milia-like cysts. We would see these comedone-like openings. And then if that was biopsied, it would really align pretty well with what we're seeing with this collection of keratinocytes, that white-yellow color, but covered by epithelium, so this is a, a milia-like cyst, whereas this has that hard, compact keratin, which looks very similar to what we're seeing now sort of uh, just at the surface, uh, the comedo-like openings. So understanding sort of what we're seeing under dermoscopy and how that correlates, maybe reassuringly or concerningly with what we might get back from our dermatopathologist when they look at the histology of it. Now going from a non-melanocytic growth to again, what we're really trying to find are melanomas here. Um, one of the more important findings to look for that will put you into that pigmented category. Something is um, a pigmented lesion, it is made of melanocytes, is this dermatoscopic pattern here. And this is a cartoon of it, followed by a clinical image and then a dermatoscopic image this is the uh, reticulated network uh, that helps you recognize you are looking at something in a pigmented lesion category, whether it's a nevus or melanoma, is the question that comes next. And this is a very normal pattern, but again, correlating with what we're seeing on dermoscopy to the histology, what we're seeing is this kind of Swiss cheese pattern of that pigment network. When we look at it in cross-section, the dark brown are the places where the reedy ridges, these little kind of purple fingers that reach down into the dermis, there are more melanocytes packed up on top of each other. So when you look down at it from the surface, it looks more brown. This area, not really so brown because you've got the dermal papilla pushing up into the epidermis. Same thing, here's an area that's more brown, here's an area that's more brown the width of this dermal papilla is going to influence the width of this opening in the, the Swiss cheese or that, that pigment network. 
And when things are nice and even and reticulated in a nice smooth and regular pattern, you see a nice smooth pattern here. But when things start to expand and the epithelium is pushed apart by more and more, say, cancer cells, or there's more and more collagen deposited down in the dermis, you get this disruption in the nice, even network of the pigment. So again, correlating what we're seeing on dermoscopy with maybe something concerning or changing in the histology. We also see pigment globules when we're starting to push ourselves down into either nevus or melanoma. Uh, pigment globules are typically a brown or tan color. They're usually uh, very evenly distributed throughout a lesion. These correlate on histology with nests of melanocytes in a nevus. Again, lots of big brown things all kind of clumped together. You're not getting that Swiss cheese of the pigment network, but this is still a sign that you're dealing either with a nevus or a melanoma. So the first step is always again focusing on, I want to decide if something is capable of me being melanoma, is asking ourselves, is it in a melanocytic category? And the things that put you into the melanocytic category are listed underneath this. Pigment network, that Swiss cheese, the globules like I just showed you, or homogeneous blue-gray, which is like a blue nevus. And if you answer yes, we're gonna ask ourselves, does it fit a known pattern? And I'll activate that in just a second to show you on the slide. But importantly, if you don't see pigment network globules or homogenous, you're still gonna ask yourself the same question. Does this fit a known pattern, like a basal cell, a squamous cell, a dermatofibroma? And if it doesn't fit a known pattern, you're still gonna biopsy it because we don't want to miss something that might be an amelanotic melanoma, a Merkel cell, something we can't categorize, we need to get more information on. So these are some of the, again, known patterns if we're not in the melanocytic category. Again, known pattern, this time, is it a known and benign nevus pattern? If it is, then we can just observe it. If it isn't, there's a very good chance you're going to biopsy it. Now, as I got a little better at dermoscopy, I could take the next step. And this is a harder step, I think, which is to identify melanoma-specific features. But if you just stop at the step of saying, it doesn't fit a benign nevus pattern, then you know what? Biopsy it. Because if you get to step through three and it does have melanoma findings, you're still going to biopsy it. If you're looking at it and you're saying, it's not fitting a benign nevus pattern, and you know what? I don't see melanoma features there's still a chance you're gonna biopsy it or you're going to watch it very closely over the next one, two or three months with photos. And I would say a lot of times when I'm watching something, I end up biopsying it when people come back. So let's walk through this a little bit. Does it have pigment network globules or homogeneous gray color? This again is that Swiss cheese pattern of the pigment network. It can vary and be broken apart a little bit in some places. Uh, this often corresponds with where hair follicle is coming through. You can see that pretty nicely in the picture on the right where there's a little hair follicle coming through uh, that darker mole. Or you can have, like the mole on the right, this is a nice symmetrical distribution, but it has a central area of hyperpigmentation in the middle. But you look at this, doesn't start to kind of ring any bells, at least in my gut, so this can sit because it's nice and symmetric and fits a known pattern. 
when I was first starting to look at pigment network, I thought that it looked like sort of white pebbles with like dark grout or mud around them. So in whatever analogy helps you to sort of cement normal in your head, I would say go with it. But Swiss cheese and sort of white pebbles are the things that helped me. Globules, these are uh, more cobblestone globules where they're sort of fitted against each other. Uh, this is in a dermal nevus on the right-hand side. This is that homogenous blue and gray where now those melanocytes are down deeper. They're below the epidermis. And when the light hits them, even though they truly are black, if this lesion was on the surface of the skin, it would appear black. But because it's deeper, covered by that little bit of yellow uh, epiderm epidermis, as well as a little bit of the white from the collagen in the dermis, it has a blue-gray color. Now what's a little bit different is uh, these globules. So these are the irregular sort of blue-gray ovoid uh, globules associated with a basal cell skin cancer. And when you look at these, the difference is that they have lots of different colors from the left side where it's more of a black gray color to the tan on the right hand side. They're in all different shapes, um, not really fitted up against each other like the cobblestone glo globules and the dermal nevus. Um, and to me, the spoke wheel patterns and, and some of the shapes you see in pigment in a basal cell almost look like if you took a little bit of watercolor and put it into the, onto the paper and it started to kind of spread and make these little fingers. Um, and so that's how it helps me to find uh, the pigment that is not a nevus, but actually a basal cell skin cancer. So just a compare and contrast there. So once you decide you're either in melanocytic you're gonna look at the known pattern. Again, does it fit a benign and nice looking nevus pattern? On the right hand side, you'd still be asking yourself, does it fit a nice pattern? So what are some of the nice nevus patterns? And they're shown here, focus less on the words and the names of them. Um, and I would say focus especially on the ones around the periphery. So I'm, I'm looking at diffuse reticular, patchy reticular, and then the one on the far right, which is a little bit of a combination. It's got peripheral reticular network around the outside with a little bit of hypopigmentation on the inside. And it's opposite with the nice patchy reticular around the outside and a little bit of hyperpigmentation on the inside. And we just saw that. But below this one is a really common nevus pattern for young people. The globules are often a sign of growth. So this is a normal pattern when people are just starting to get moles, which we all acquire uh, often when we're younger. So seeing these peripheral globules, especially if they were asymmetrical and only on part of a lesion in somebody older, is signifying an asymmetric growth. And that would also make me concerned. So an asymmetry and a pattern of growth that maybe doesn't fit that person's age. We just saw a picture of the pattern at the very bottom, the globular, uh, including the cornerstone, or sorry, cobblestone. Um, and the two that I think are the hardest, and uh, especially if you're new to it, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't say take this on as like, this is a real established pattern and I feel really confident diagnosing it because these are hard. Uh, the center one is structureless. So this is where you're not seeing the nice pigment network. You're not seeing the nice uh, lobules. And the one on the lower right-hand corner is when you're mixing different components, some globules, some peripheral reticular, some little bit of patchiness. You know what, if it is a, a mess of things, even if it is symmetrical, um, I, I often will biopsy is just to reassure myself. So here's an example. This gentleman comes in with a brown macula on his back. And this is not a place that he could see, but his wife was concerned about it, had this little kind of dark smudge in the center. Uh, you know what? If I maybe didn't have my dermatoscope, I might have biopsied this. But with my dermatoscope, I can pull it out and I can get more information. So first question, is there pigment network, globules, or homogeneous blue-gray color? What you can see here is pigment network. So we're seeing this nice little kind of stones, the little pebbles that are separated by the brown pigment. And then after we see that, we ask ourselves the second question, does it fit a known pattern? So this fits one of the patterns we just saw on the prior slide, which is that peripheral reticular with central hyperpigmentation. And this is the cartoon of that. There probably are a couple of hair follicles breaking through here, which just disrupt that little bit of pattern. But again, the clinical, which we might have, you know, biopsied, given a mascar, did we have to? And in a way, the bill that goes along with that biopsy, when we can look at it with our dermatoscope, ask ourselves two questions and say, you know what, I'm so glad you brought that in, but I don't think we need to worry about it or do a biopsy right now. At the most, we could take a picture and we can follow it over time. And again, a little bit of that patchy network. All right, so now we're gonna move on to what are some of these melanoma features? If you've heard this talk before and you think, you know what, I'm really getting the first two steps, let's look at this third one. Um, the second question as a jumping off point is, does this lesion on the right-hand side fit a known pattern? It does have some pigment network around the outside, has some blue-gray color, it's just not homogenous. And you know what, I can't put this into a, one of the nice categories for a nevus. So what am I looking for when I'm looking to really call out melanoma for what it is? And this is sometimes useful because I can prep my patient to say, you know what, there is a chance that this is that more concerning type of skin cancer. And I do this only if I have on dermoscopy some real confidence that I'm looking at a melanoma. So shiny white structures are shown over here on the left. These little white lines that are sometimes called chrysalis. Here's a blue-gray veil in the center of the lesion. An atypical network is on the right-hand side. So instead of having nice, even, and thin lines of network, this is coarser. So instead of painting with a nice thin brush, this is like taking a big wide, you know, house painting brush and, and slapping, you know, big wide lines. Uh, so instead of a pencil, maybe it's more like a thick Sharpie or highlighter, just wider, kind of messier, less fine, less lacy. And that's what you're seeing around the periphery of this lesion. 
there are lots of other melanoma concerning features. You won't always find them all in a melanoma, but you're gonna find at least one or more, and that can help you have that more, uh, you know, pre-test concern that this is gonna be a melanoma. All right, but what are some of the reassuring or known features uh, that you're not looking at a melanoma? Uh, seborrheic keratosis, you know, very often we can look down at one of these. Uh, I don't know about you, I get a lot of patients sent in by a partner and they said, this is getting bigger, it's asymmetrical, look at this dark spot. And then we can say, you know what, thank you for noticing that. Uh, I've looked at this really closely and thankfully it is a seborrheic keratosis. And seborrheic keratoses can have a couple of different patterns. On the picture at the bottom and the picture on the right, you can see how one is more of a coral pattern. That's what this center picture looks like. I think it looks like uh, coral, but other people say it's more brain-like, so uh, gyri and sulci. Uh, on the right-hand side, uh, just to compare and contrast, uh, I had a picture just fly in of the nice reticulated network the difference here for this nevus is that nice lacy network compared to this really broad and again sort of coral or brain-like um, and then the right-hand picture which has the features of the comedone-like openings and the milia-like cysts and you can find multiple HS or sorry HS <laughs> that's another talk uh, SK structures in even one SK. So other known patterns, but are not under melanocytic, this is an angioma. Uh, the lacunae are the big uh, red or purple uh, structures or sacs. And then the septae are the white collagenous uh, demarcations between those. Uh, I think the kind of way that I remember this, the mnemonic is uh, maroon lagoons. Um, so even though these are red, uh, that idea of these dilated sacs or lagoons filled with blood. So here's an example of a lesion where, you know, we use our eyes, but we're using our hands. So could you reassure yourself pretty quickly without your dermatoscope that this is a dermatofibroma? Absolutely. But I put my dermatoscope even on things I know are normal because I constantly want to train my eye to recognize normal things so I can find the abnormal things the next time. So with a dermatofibroma, you see a rim of what looks like a reticulated network around the outside and this stellate or star-like, you know, almost rays that uh, radiate out from the center. And this is uh, that almost scar-like center. So this is a dermatofibroma. Here's another known pattern, but not in the melanocytic category. This is basal cell, and this basal cell has a bunch of different features shown. Uh, working from the top, arborizing vessel. So an arborizing vessel has a broad trunk. Um, very often the vessel will branch over 50% of the diameter of the lesion. So these are very long, far-reaching branches or trunks of trees. And then that trunk will divide off into the branches that you see more towards 12 o'clock on this image. On the far right, that sort of bluish grayish sheen that you see through the basal cell, um, that's part of a basal cell skin cancer, so ovoid nests. Shiny white structures, this is more on the surface of the basal cell, uh, very similar to the shiny white structures you'd see in a melanoma. And so if you saw this blue gray and you said, you know, uh, that, that could put me in a 
melanoma, uh, the shiny white lines here, that, that could be chrysalis. You know what? You would still be biopsying it. Again, dermoscopy is not meant to be, I am going to you know, submit to the dermatopathologist the exact diagnosis. It's meant to increase or lower your level of concern to biopsy something. Is it just cancer or is it not? And then rotating all the way around to this last finding, the buckshot scatter. Um, so I find that dermoscopists really like to, um, they're not lumpers. They like to come up with new and interesting ways of describing something that I would just kind of lump in with, you know, sort of pigment globules, but it's almost a little bit granular. So these are really small, but this still looks to me like that paint sort of smudging um, on the surface, like a watercolor. So findings of basal cell skin cancer. And this is really important because I've had a number of patients who have their first basal cell skin cancer, and then they look in the mirror and they see every bump on their face and are worried that the other things are basal cell skin cancer. So uh, one's basal cell kind of twice shy. They're looking again, they're looking close, and they often will come in with something like this, which we're pretty suspicious is basal cell skin cancer. But if you put your dermatoscope on it, it gives them this extra sense of they're really looking closely. They're really taking this seriously. And you get to see something cool under your dermatoscope. So left-hand side, this is a sebaceous hyperplasia, has this little indentation or umbilication. On the right-hand side, this is a really nice example of a basal cell with those blue-gray sort of ovoid nests or globules really nice arborizing vessel. It's got its trunk at the periphery, which is actually a really common finding. So broadest trunk at the base, arching over 50% of this basal cell. So, and it's already turning white. Like when you stretch a basal cell clinically, it sort of turns white compared to the background of the skin. You're getting that same uh, blanching in this basal cell on the right-hand side. But I put both images here just to compare and contrast visually. This is really nice and symmetrical when you look at it, even under dermoscopy. Even if you don't know the names of these structures, you can see that it's symmetrical compared to this thing, which is just like all over the place. Uh, what we're seeing in a sebaceous hyperplasia are these white globules, which are part of the sebaceous gland that is enlarged and kind of pushed up into the epidermis. And you get crowning vessels, which are shorter, non-branching, typically telangiectasias that just uh, reach up and over the globules um, that are radiating around the outside. So sort of like the globules are in a crown and the vessels are just reaching up and over them. So sebaceous hyperplasia, this is the cartoon for those. Crowning vessels arborizing, yep. So faces, this took me a little while until I sort of forced my brain to recognize that the skin of the face is structured differently than the skin everywhere else. So that sounds stupid, but it had to be a conscious thought for me because I was looking at things and I was having a lot of trouble seeing the pigment network because there are so many follicular orifices on the skin that it wouldn't, a nevus won't set up exactly the same as it would on the shoulder. And so we have to expect that lesions are gonna look a bit different because there are just so many round openings that we're almost looking for changes around those openings or within them. And so this is an example of lindico maligna. And I think this is one of the, the most important things that we're looking for on the face. 
And so what we're looking for in this uh, cartoon on the left-hand side, you've got this network of follicular openings that are maybe a little bit wider than the surrounding skin or basically the same color as the surrounding skin. When you start to get a pigmented lesion that is concerning on the skin, it does not respect that structure. It's starting to invade those follicles, go down the follicles, which is uh, when you start to get a little bit of a rim of color and accentuation around the follicles, or it starts to obliterate those follicles and you're not seeing that nice tic-tac-toe sort of Swiss cheese pattern. On the right-hand side, I wanna point out just a couple of those findings. You can see some of this uh, accentuation of circles around follicles. Sometimes they're called targeted because they have a broad circle and then a more central one. You start to see some granularity in this circle um, on the right-hand side. So when you're seeing those circles, especially if it looks like they've been outlined, that is a concerning feature because otherwise a pigmented lesion would respect that follicle and just stay to the outside, not accentuate it in any way. Um, where you can see the darkest color, it almost looks like there's a little period, um, you know, uh, from a, at the end of a sentence, uh, right in the center of this slide, and that's where these pigmented uh, melanocytic mel melanoma cells are, are just completely starting to take over uh, the follicle that's sort of at the lower center of this picture. So acral dermoscopy, another place where the skin canvas, that background or foundation upon which lesions are starting to grow and change is different. Um, so instead of the Swiss cheese that we had on the face, uh, instead we have uh, mountains or ridges and valleys. Uh, so ridges and furrows, I think of them as ridges and valleys. But when you have a pigmented lesion that is predominantly in the ridges or at the top of the skin, just like we don't want melanocytes at the top of the epidermis uh, when we talked about pouchetoid spread, that is a concerning sign. Um, this is a very friendly lesion. This is a benign lesion in this image on the right-hand side. And that's because the pigment is primarily down in the furrows. So furrows are friendly. Um, the valleys, which is the deeper part. You can tell that something is a furrow because it won't have these little dots. These are the openings of the eccrine coils. They drain to the top of a ridge. Um, and sometimes you'll get a little accentuation there, especially if it's more of a congenital type nevus. Um, and the pattern that we're seeing here are these parallel lines that are down in the furrows, those friendly furrows. So the difference here is we're seeing these thin furrows, friendly furrows, but then finding that the pigment is actually at the broader top of this ridge. So this is a concerning lesion, something that I would biopsy, whether it's the whole thing or part of it, because the pigment is predominantly in the ridge or the top uh, of the dermatoglyph. The, mm, why can't I think of it? Dermatoglyphs, fingerprints, <laughs> there we go. Um, all right, so here's another picture. Uh, we're gonna work through a couple of just example cases. Um, there's a clinical image and then the dermatoscopic image. So first question is, do we ask, we ask ourselves pigment network, globules, or homogeneous blue-gray? Then we ask ourselves, does it fit a known pattern? So if you said yes, you're still gonna ask yourself that question. 
And especially if it's a known and benign pattern of nevus, if you said no, you're still gonna ask yourself, does it fit a known pattern? If it's a pattern of basal cell or squamous cell, you're gonna biopsy it. If it doesn't, then no. So what we're seeing in this image is a seborrheic keratosis. So we're seeing this coral-like pattern. Um, this is a non-contact dermoscopy. Uh, so that's why you see a lot of just dry hyperkeratosis. There isn't any moisture um, from the alcohol and, and from the pressure of their dermatoscope. So again, just to reinforce normal, because if we can just differentiate seborrheic keratoses from you know, more concerning patterns, we're gonna save people a lot of um, biopsies and give them a lot of reassurance. Um, so on the left-hand side, the cartoons and descriptions for these uh, common patterns uh, that we see in seborrheic keratoses, really nice examples of milia-like cysts at the top, um, more of this comedone-like openings in the middle picture, then more of that coral or gyrus-like pattern at the bottom. So this is a very common lesion that I see in clinic and um, it's really nice to put my dermatoscope down onto what is a sunspot that's starting to get a little bit of that seborrheic keratosis-like change. Um, and this is a lentigo because it has this moth-eaten border, very discrete separation between normal skin and solar lentigo, doesn't have that lacy reticulated network, and it's scalloped, or that's how I think of it, scalloped, but uh, the original term was mothing. So uh, solar lentigo with early SK changes. So another example, does this have pigment network, globules, or homogeneous blue-gray? And the second question is, does it fit a pattern, either benign nemus pattern or known pattern if you said it did not have pigment network. This is a dermatofibroma. So it has that known pattern of pigment network like or true pigment network around the outside with the stellate or scar-like pattern on the inside. And again, I'd be pinching this before I pulled out my dermatoscope um, but it's still always fun to take a look. Pigment network, globules, homogeneous blue-gray. I say that because I already know that you know the answer, but it's just important to kind of have that system and ingrain it. And this fits a known pattern of maroon lagoons. I think this is one of the prettiest pictures um, in this PowerPoint and really easy to reassure people that that dark kind of purpley black thing is nothing to worry about. And that raises the point of we've talked about some pigment network and blue and brown and black colored things, um, but sometimes we're really looking more at pink things. And so discerning some of the concerning and not concerning uh, vascular patterns is also really important. The goal is not always to come up with a diagnosis, but to know if you're looking at a vascular pattern that is concerning and it just needs a biopsy. Again, goal is biopsy. So two examples of really common non-concerning on the left 
and concerning on the right vascular patterns. We've talked a lot about the one on the right. This is that really nice arborizing vessel and lots of other long, almost serpentine vessels uh, going across this basal cell. On the right-hand side, you could maybe say, well, what about these vessels? How come they're not arborizing? I see them branching and reaching. Well, in part, they don't have that nice tree trunk that's um, usually down at the edge where the lesion meets the surrounding skin. It's not reaching up and over 50% of this lesion. So uh, that's one of the reasons why even though these vessels are branching, they're not a true arborizing vessel. But some of these uh, vessels around the outhands, outside, uh, sorry, fit really nicely into comma-shaped vessels. Um, so especially the ones at about three o'clock where it looks like a kind of wider, more bulbous uh, towards the medial edge of the lesion then tapering off towards the outside. And then adding another couple patterns in here, we've talked about basal cell ad nauseum. We showed you how to discriminate um, sort of between a basal cell and sebaceous hyperplasia, but you know what, sometimes you get sort of an umbilicated uh, squamous cell carcinoma. How do we tell that from a sebaceous hyperplasia? Um, these are longer uh, serpentine vessels at the periphery of this squamous cell skin cancer. And those are not arborizing vessels because even though the, the vessels in this squamous cell start at the outside, when they reach towards the inside, they're not crossing over 50%. They're also not arborizing. They're not branching. Um, and very often in a lesion that ends up being concerning, um, you see multiple different vascular patterns. And the fact that there are a lot of different vascular patterns in a lesion um, is polymorphous. That's one of the patterns that is concerning and would trigger a biopsy. So let's talk through this case. Uh, this is the clinical lesion on the left. You've got this asymmetrical brown pink thing. Uh, my brain would be like ringing alarm bells like, oh man, I hope this isn't melanoma. Um, but we put our dermatoscope down on it. And what do we see? Well, it's uh, kind of asymmetrical. Uh, does it have pigment network, globules, or homogenous blue-gray color? Not, not feeling it. Um, does it fit a known pattern, squamous cell, dermatofibroma, basal cell? Um, well, I've got this really nice coral-like pattern on this half of the lesion. So I think this is seborrheic keratosis, um, but what is going on on this half of this lesion? Um, and so you've got this asymmetry, which even if I can name part of it, I can't name the other half of it. And maybe there's a little bit of blood. So blood probably came from a break in the skin, like an erosion. Uh, there's a little bit of maybe a serpentine vessel. It's a little bit small over here. And then I've got some little globules. Um, so you might say, you know, this kind of makes me think of basal cell. If you said, I don't know what it is, I can name half of it and not the other half. That means you can't fit it into one of those known patterns, and it means you end up biopsying it. So the take home is, even if you could recognize basal cell on this half, you're going to biopsy it. Even if you couldn't recognize basal cell on this half, you're going to say, you know what, I can't put it into a nice neat pattern. It is not like this half of the lesion. It's not seborrheic keratosis, so I'm going to biopsy it. And again, biopsy is the name of the game, I'm not trying to prove that you can diagnose everything dermatoscopically. Even if you said, I think this is pigment network, so let's walk through that possibility. 
Um, it's not because it's not that lacy sort of Swiss cheese, um, white pebbles with tan grout around the outside. Um, if you said, you know, I think, I think it is pigment network, does it fit a known pattern? It is not a nice symmetrical one of these patterns. And so you would say no, and you would biopsy it. So, yep, squamous cell and basal cell in that prior lesion. So here's another one. First question, pigment network, globules, homogenous blue-gray. So these don't look like nice globules to me. They're not nice cobblestone, round, small. It's almost like a streak. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna say no. Doesn't fit into a melanocytic lesion. Does it fit a known pattern? Well, I think that this could fit with some of those, you know, spoke wheel or watercolor structures uh, that are pigmented in a basal cell. You've also got some erosions in the skin over here, and maybe a hint of a little serpentine vessel in the center. And this is a basal cell skin cancer. So not melanocytic, spoke wheels, maple leaf structures. These are all those kind of spreading pigmented structures that we see in basal cells. And this is an important story because I learned from this and it humbles me. So I like to share when I miss something. Um, this is a really common you know, situation where you find a dermal nevus. Um, and very often until you really stretch and get your face right next to somebody else's face, you don't realize that it maybe isn't a dermal nevus that has been there for years. And basal cell can sometimes be there for years too, and they grow incredibly slowly for some people. So the history of, oh, it's been there for years is sometimes um, falsely reassuring. So putting your dermatoscope down on there, I thought it was going to be a dermal nevus when in fact it was a basal cell skin cancer. And just by taking an extra second and putting my dermatoscope down there, I could have found that. So another example as we get close, uh, this is a 40-year-old guy. He's got this spot on his arm. Kind of common story is uh, significant others sent him in and been there for a while. He didn't really pay attention to it. You know, what could it be? Is this a dermal nevus? Kind of changes in a congenital nevus that he didn't even know about. Could it be a basal cell? You know, let's get closer. It's going to be basal cell. And I love to prime my brain. Like, what am I going to see in patterns? If it's a basal cell, I'm going to see this really beautiful arborizing vessels all across this basal cell. Am I going to see squamous cell with some of these um, hairpin loop vessels around the outside? And in the center, some of these glomeruloid. Uh, if you look at pictures of blood vessels in kidneys, the glomerulus, uh, this is what these nests or clusters of vessels look like in the center. Glomerular. And when you have multiple patterns, polymorphous vessels, this actually ended up being an amelanotic melanoma. So how do we get to that point? Well, you know, if you're expecting basal cell, you are not seeing the erosions, you're not seeing those ovoid nests of pigment, you are not seeing arborizing vessels. You're just seeing this kind of structureless pink blob, and you're seeing some of these shiny white structures or chrysalis. You can sometimes see these shiny white structures in a basal cell, but either way you'd be thinking 
this is not part of a normal nevus pattern, I'm going to biopsy this. And you end up finding a melanotic melanoma. So recognizing patterns other than pigment, those vascular patterns are important because you can find these glomeruloid uh, coils of blood vessels. This can be found in squamous cell in melanoma, but it is concerning for malignancy. Again, not trying to diagnose, trying to find cancer. When it comes to dermatoscopes, very often the question is, which one? Um, I'm a big fan of incremental improvement. So I didn't get the most expensive version of anything. I have a derm light. Um, these have changed a little bit over time, but this is pretty similar to the one that I carry in my pocket. I like a polarized dermatoscope because it helps me get deeper. So I think of polarizing, pushing deeper, whereas non-polarized dermatoscopes look more at surface structure. Um, and uh, we actually get our new faculty, one of these newfangled ones, where you can switch between polarized and non-polarized. Um, but I'm, I'm hanging back with my oldie but goodie. Um, so I would say try it out if you can. Um, if there's a free trial, um, I think to be able to carry it around, like the weight of it, um, feel like you can maneuver the buttons and uh, interact with it in a, in a productive way is important. Um, this is just to show you the differences. So P pushing deeper, polarized. Um, Non-polarized, you're going to see more of those comedone-like openings at the surface of a separate keratosis compared to the milia-like cysts on the right-hand side. Basal cell, you're seeing more of the erosion and crust on the surface compared to the vessels that are a little bit deeper. And then melanoma, you're seeing more of kind of just erosion on the surface compared to the chrysalis, again, the dermal structures and changes that are a little bit deeper. So two-step algorithm, asking yourself, is it melanocytic? Pigment network, lobules, homogenous. Either you're gonna say yes or say no, but the second question is always, does it fit a known pattern? And when you're saying yes, does it fit a benign nevus known pattern? Yes, you can stop. No, you're probably gonna biopsy. As you get more familiar and comfortable with dermoscopy, you're gonna be able to point out to yourself concerning structures for melanoma. But if you go back and after step one, you said, no, I don't really think this is melanocytic, you still wanna ask yourself, can I fit this into a known pattern, even if it is basal cell or squamous cell? If you cannot, then you also biopsy it. Name of the game is biopsy, not diagnosis. Thanks so much and look forward to the rest of the talks.